Okay. I'm not sure, but I might be able to use a larger pulpit here one of these days. I don't remember books and notes and everything else here. The last day's church. So this is going to be more, this is going to be a testimony more than it's going to be a sermon, just so you know. But I have to put a title to my testimony, I guess. I don't know. But this is, I honestly believe that this is actually preparation for what I am going to be preaching more so on. Um, the last day's church. If you would, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 17. We're going to be looking at starting at verse 9 here. So John chapter 17. This will be 9 through 10 and then verses 20 through 21. John chapter 17. John 15 through 21, roughly, especially through the 17, is like a crucial part of our Bibles. Now, of course, all the Bible is crucial. But there's something very important about 15 to 17. And uh, this one happens to be, I think, the heart of God for the family of God. John chapter 17, verses 9 through 10. Uh, say amen if you're there. Amen. Good. So I know I put the, the verses up there, but I'm going to say week after week, I still require you to bring your Bibles. <laughs> Now, I suppose, for those of you who just use your phone Bible, that's fine, as long as you have a Bible. How about it? Okay, John chapter 17, he says this, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I do not pray for these alone, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So I want to share a little bit of my story. Um, I'm going to take you, I'm going to get you to get to know me a whole lot more today than I ever have. And I told my wife, I said, I feel like if I preach, they won't know where it's coming from. But if I share this, it's going to help um, prepare us for what's to come. So when we went to our conference, um, they were giving us kind of the context to smaller churches. And one of the things they gave us is a, uh, they gave us an option of three different books. And this one caught my attention. It says it's the Grasshopper Myth by Carl Vaders. Anybody with the last name Vaders is worth reading, I guess. So anyway, Grasshopper Myth. Big churches, small churches, and the small thinking that divides us. I read the first chapter. The first chapter, somewhere within that context, I felt like the Lord did something for me. And it was like my memory bank went all the way from when I was little all the way to now. And, and the Lord started unveiling some things for me. I am not a corporate preacher. I don't think the Lord has ever made me to be a corporate pe preacher. But if I ever get there, you'll figure out how to do it. I have a very unique, and I feel like it's the call of God on it. And some of us may be questioning, why do we have a small church? Why don't we see more of our community come in here? And I can't completely answer that. But I'm going to tell you something. There's something very quality that we might be forgetting when we ask those questions. And I, I think the Lord brought me to it. So I want to share that. While I was, I'd been reading this week, as I, as I was thinking about my life, and I was thinking about what the Lord has deposited in me from birth till now and realizing that it has everything to do with what God has already been doing and what I think God's going to do more of. 
My first part of this is I want to share with you, um, I'm an introvert by kind of character, personality, nature. Now, I have spent most of my life having a misconception about my introvertness, I guess if you want to put it that way. How many of you can relate with me? You're kind of an introvert. How many of you got the, so the rest of you are extroverts. That's sweet to know. I need you. <laughs> You'll make up for where I, I miss out on. Well, here's the thing. I spent most of my life thinking that introvert means that I want to be alone. I don't want to be around people. And what I came to realize a little bit later in life is that actually for me is I want relationships that are deep. I care about deep relationships. And I didn't realize until this time, and I've been thinking more about it, I deeply care about deep relationships. I am not the kind of guy that likes to go surface. So for me, when I think of a crowd of people, and we're in a crowd, and believe me, when we go to our conferences, I more than feel like this, is that there's a lot of people I don't know, and I don't have the natural feeling to want to go up to each one of them and say hi. But what I would like is, if it were possible, I would love with every single one of them to have such a deep connection that it feels like this is a part of the purpose and meaning of life. But I know how impossible that is. Because I've learned that deep connections mean that it takes long times to dig deep and get closer and closer in relationship. And I can't bring everybody into that same context. All of us know the more intimate we go, the, the, the fewer people are involved. And think about Jesus and his ministry. Jesus chose 12 disciples. He could have chose thousands. He could have chose hundreds. But he chose 12 disciples to carry on the ministry that was urgent for the world. But he in, intimately invested himself into their lives so that they would know his heart. They would know how to carry his ministry. They know how to be like him in the world they lived in. And that's what I've been now realizing that's the church right here that God is building. God is building an intimate body of believers that love, deeply care for one another, that we will not just marginalize one another. As a matter of fact, while I was praying for this, I remember the Lord put this thought in my heart. When you marginalize people, you minimize your mission. Jesus never marginalized anybody. It's amazing how Jesus walked away from a crowd and found himself in the presence of one person to minister deeply and heartfelt to them. So friends, I want you to think about that today. Because if we're not careful, the idea of growth will strip us of this completely. Not that I believe that growth does that. But if we're not careful, we don't maintain what is most important. So as I think about that, that introvertness is, now it's not about not being around people. It's about being very close to the ones I'm around. And boy, does that change everything. Because instead of me being a hermit up on the hill, I'm a man who's still involved in fellowship. It's just you don't see me talking to everybody. You see me talking to a few. Now imagine how amazing and miraculous it is that I'm here today as a preacher in front of a large group of people. Well, small but large to me, right? God can do some amazing things. To me, fewer but deeper is more like it. That's kind of the way that I've lived my life. Now I'm not saying... That's the only way God works. It's just one of the ways he works through me. And so when I talk about fewer is deeper, here's one of the things, major ingredients that I've recognized over my life. Commitment is huge. And I'm going to share a few reasons why that's been for me personally. But I'm going to tell you my experience in life has taught me, man, I can have talent, 
I can have raw talent. I can have gifting. I can have people that are charismatic. But if you're not committed, I don't have value in that. I don't know what the value is. That's me personally. So commitment is huge. That's the introvert side of me telling you that. I think there's the God side too, right? Loyalty is massive to me. I have been connected to this church for about 15 years. We're, we're about 16. I've been married for 20. I have not been the pastor of this church but for three years, if you want to include the interim here. But I have been very much a part of your lives. I've watched it. We've, we've been together. We've been through some battles. We've had some wonderful moments. But we've been through it together, and I know who I'm talking to, and I know the people that I'm a part of. And you couldn't go and put me in a corporate church and get me anywhere near that. That's why I love my church. Man, I love this. I get to, I was thinking this morning, I was like, who, who's like, life hasn't I been invested in in a very special, particular way among the people that I worship with? And I was like, I can see each one of them a very crucial part in different times and different seasons. I went, Man, that's wonderful. To know that I've been able to not just preach to the crowd, but I've been invested in my crowd. So loyalty is massive. And I don't mean the kind of loyalty when God calls you away, you're still there anyway. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the loyalty when God's not calling you away and you hit the hard road, you're still there. That's loyalty. You You don't give me a good enough reason to leave. Only Jesus does, right? So that's another part of this introvert piece to it. One-on-one is very important. I'll tell you, I'll meet with six individual guys before our six ministry meetings in large crowds. I will meet with individuals, and there's reasons for that. But anyway, that's me. And it has its drawbacks along with its rewards. There's a lot of people to get missed along that path, isn't there? There's a lot of people I can't do that with. But that's something that we don't want to overlook. So I do not have the mindset, get them in and get them out. I don't have the mindset, love them and leave them. That is not me. And Jesus has never made that a part of me, and I don't see him changing that in me. But that's why, and one reason, I can say I love my church. I love you guys. Another thing, if you just follow me through my life, I have followed a pattern, but especially in my young life, one great friend at a time. That is so true of me. I remember I had a friend, his name was Ryan Sams, back in Walla Walla. And he was about a year or two older than me, and he was about that much bigger than me. And uh, he, was, uh, he was the kind of friend that I spent any breathing hour that I could have with him. I didn't get very many friends. I didn't look for very many friends. But the thing that I had was, my one friend was as good of a friendship as you possibly could get in life. You couldn't get better than my friendship with him. I remember, I don't, I wish I'd had that same heart for my brother, but I remember at one time making the statement to him, I enjoy being with you, and I'm, you're more of a brother to me than my own brother. I ashamedly say that because my brother didn't deserve that. But I can tell you that when I looked at a friend, I either wore you out, but I didn't invite you out. I didn't send you down the road. Somehow, you're like, why isn't he your friend with you today? I don't know, but I didn't divorce him. I can tell you that much. One great friend at a time. And so I remember one time, we're um, riding, 
I was told that he was over, so when we lived in Walla Walla, he was living, he was at Rooks Park. Now, that's what I was told. They didn't know, but they thought that's where he was. I was so connected and committed to him that I rode all the way across from one end of town to the other. It took about an hour, at least, to ride my bike to where he was supposed to be. I didn't find him. And it didn't discourage me a bit. I was going to stay close to him. He was still going to be my good friend. Now, I was brokenhearted when I, when I had to ride back home for an hour and I didn't meet him. But that's how crazy of an introvert I am. <laughs> but I think that's how crazy Jesus is too when he connects himself to us. That's how amazing the church can be too when we can be connected with one another. Jesus said for us basically to have the same love for one another and love one another in the same similar commitment that we have for Christ. Never many, but great. Never many, but great. So I remember, move from him to the next one. Poor guy, he stuck with me. That's pretty much what it was. But actually, we found out what true friendship was about. So if anybody asks me, hey, James, what do you define as true friendship? I can put a whole lot into that. I can put a whole lot into that. But that's the reason why that I can remain committed to a church for 15 years and I can watch the signs and evidences in churches are church breakers. They are church dividers. Church The mindsets of people that get into church and divide them drastically. Large churches, I've seen them, I've been around them. But I don't know how to be that guy. I don't know how to be him. Not at heart. Now, I know it can happen. Somebody can look at me and say, I don't like you and I'm divided from you. But I don't feel that way with you. It takes a whole lot to get me there. And that's weird to me. It is absolutely strange why I, I'm like that other than I feel like there is a special anointing that God can do and develop in our hearts to be that kind of person. Because I don't believe the church should be broken. I believe the church should be put together. And I know there's a whole lot of reasons to break them up, but we have a whole lot more to keep them together. How many of you like what I'm sharing with you? Amen. So I, I didn't really start new ones unless I lost the first ones. <laughs> That's just the way I've been. I, like, I just will start a new one unless I lose the first one. <laughs> so notice something. I didn't go absent from friendships. I just gave everything to my friendships. Well, that's, that's been kind of my policy in life. And as I've come to know the Lord more, I've come to have more friends. But I still have, I'm still always looking to keep them deeper and, and go more and more with them. Like-mindedness didn't come easy in a salvage yard. So this is the other one. So I moved from kind of my early stages of life. And I remember going to my work. And it was in high school, roughly, when I started working in the salvage yard. And you guys have heard me share about that. But like-mindedness didn't come easy in the salvage yard. And what I want to share with you in that is, is that there was a guy, his name was Bob Yarwood, and he intimidated the life out of him. And he, had every, he didn't even have to try to do that because he had had years of experience and I had no experience. And Bob was, um, he was a welder. He would, some of the stories he would tell about how, what he did with machinery make even good operators look like they didn't know what they were doing. And so there was an element that it was almost like I remember working around him feeling like he had an expectation of me to know what to do and, I, and, and didn't tell me, just had that expectation, and I failed every single time. 
And it didn't make, take long for me to beg, to find, beg God to do something to get me away from this job. I didn't want to be there. I was like, I can't take the intimidation. I'm ignorant. I know I'm ignorant, and I know that there's an expectation, and I don't know why, Lord, you got me trapped here. That's how I felt. And I couldn't get the release of God over my heart to leave. And now I'm so glad I didn't. Because as I stayed the course, I remember um, he had left and then he came back. And it was a year or two but in between. And I remember when he came back, he came back with his wife working with him. Who invites their wife to come to work at a salvage yard, right? She was an amazing, she, she was, she, I'm glad she was there. Guys, just be glad your wife is there at times. And there was something, and I wondered, I never found out, but I had wondered because something had changed. And I thought maybe his wife talked to him about the way that he was with me, and I don't know. But I remember something else happened, and it happened in me. And I remember it was like it happened in one day, but I couldn't tell if it was instantaneous or happened over time. But I remember it wasn't long, and it was like something clicked. And he didn't have, it's like all that, that thing that I said was missing, it, like I understood. And I knew what he wanted when he wanted it. And I wasn't perfect at that, but I was way better at it than I was before. And we all of a sudden, it was like we had a like-mindedness. And the whole world for me changed. My whole world of work changed. My satisfaction with the job changed. My willingness to go and my want to be there, it changed. And I'd realized that all the obstacles to keep us apart, yet there was still something and I think there was a prayer inside of my heart that said, Lord, I want to, as badly as I want to run from this guy, there's something I feel like you're inviting me into that I don't know right now. Will you help me get there? And God did it. And you know, it's amazing when you work with somebody and you're like-minded. And it changed my whole work perspective. And I carried that into the next job that I worked with. And I, every time I started a job, and I only had two, but when I started to see what I'm saying, there's a pattern here. It just keeps showing up. But I wanted, again, but it wasn't that I only just had a second job. I had more people that I'd shared it with. But not many, but more. Where it was a like-mindedness on the job. And it made all the difference in the world. The efficiency went out the door. It was just through the roof was the efficiency between two people who could think alike, knew what each other wanted, didn't have to say a word. I had guys tell me, they said, I don't understand how it is you guys can work together. You don't say anything to one another, and it's like you know exactly what to do. It's weird, but it's amazing. It's amazing. And here I was thinking I was trapped into a job that was keeping me from ministry, and it was a job that was preparing me for ministry. Wow, was it a job that was doing that. So I was trapped by intimidation and ignorance, but empowered by persistence. Be persistent. That's all I can tell you. Just stay the course. Then I remember I moved from there, and I ended up coming back there, but I remember I also went to Bible school. And when I went to Bible school, I faced some of the similar dilemma. And one of the guys that I went to school with, my roommate was the first one. And we did not see eye to eye on one another. And we knew within just a short time of being around one another uh, they picked the wrong two guys to be um, roommates. <laughs> we were not meant to be roommates, and we had some struggle our first year. And believe me, all my spirituality went out the door very quick. 
and I was like suffering from this, I don't want to be around him. And I found myself out in the field for one of two reasons. I was either praying that I would find a way to have peace with him or praying God would help me get away from him. <laughs> one or the other is like, I don't want to be here. But I remember within that first year, there was conflict, but there was also God doing something. And by the end of our first year, we wanted to be roommates the next year. And I remember there was another one of the students who was in my class, and I was too much of a strict rule guy. I just pushed hard on the rules. And I was all about just following the rules, as it were. And so he wasn't so much. He was like, relax a little. And I'm sure that's what he wanted to say to me. We spent three years living like that. And at the end of our life or <laughs> our life together as students, we finally started to hit the mark. And I remember we had a prayer time. And that started to change something dramatically. And then we came into our first part. So we had, when I had my internship, and so this was my last, it was my last year as a student. Now I went into my internship. I had to start my internship at the school for the summer. And then when the students got there, I moved on into Pennsylvania um, in Stroudsburg to do the rest of my internship with the church, Light of the World Church. And while I was there um, for the summertime, um, I remember him saying, I want to be your roommate. Now that was a miracle. That was a miracle. It should have never happened. But it happened. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm kind of on board with it. And I thought I was crazy at the time, but we were. And I remember when we worked side by side, it was that one mind thing that God had already done. And, it, and I remember uh, the guy that was leading, there was like a good handful of guys. I can't remember how many of us were there. But I remember him picking the two of us out, and he said, you two. He said, if I were running a construction business, I would, I would make sure to hire both of you guys. I was so honored by that. But I understood why, because he's like, not only are you guys make sure the job is done right, do it slow enough and make it right the first time, you're quality worker guys, it might be slow, but it's going to be right, and it's going to be better. But also, you guys... There's something about the two of you together that just kind of blends. Like, I wouldn't want you separated. Now, how does God do that? How does he do it? I, I step back in my life and think about, this has been a replay, but I've watched others do the opposite and experience the opposite, where their relationships with somebody were bad at the start, and then they lost momentum and continued to lose momentum until they were completely divided. I've seen people who have had great relationships at the beginning have something that got in the middle of it and then divide them. But that has not been my experience and my, my occasion in life. And I'm sharing this for a purpose, so just stay with me. My wife, I deeply love her. And I am so grateful that she, we celebrating our 20th, not in ways that she was particularly, or me, wanted to do. We wanted to do it grander and greater, right? but we got to celebrate it together. But I want to say this because few people get the privilege that I have had. And, I, and when I'm sharing this with you, believe me, I'm leaving out all the flaws because I've had plenty of them. But in order to go there, I had to go through a lot of fires, just, just to be honest. And there's a lot of bad me that I got to see. But she has been, from the start of my life, my one and only girlfriend. Who gets to say that? I am honored to share 20 years of my life with my one and only girlfriend. Now, I was shy, so that was a good part of it, but she was the right pick. She was the right one. 
And, and remember, when we had the funeral, I said she comes from a family of 12, and there's plenty of girls in that family, right? And I remember there was another one her age and stuff, and I remember one of the guys, the uh, friend of mine, an adult friend of mine, was saying, hey, this is a good family, It'd be good to marry into, and kind of highlighting my young and immature eyes on what to see. And I remember him saying this about her. He said, she'll take care of you. She'll take care of you. And that has been true from day one. She has been, she has been marriage material. She's been a homemaker, a caretaker for my soul and my life. And I am thrilled that I didn't go any other route. She was the one that got to be, to have my life, or I got to have her. But what I'm trying to say is, this thing has been such a pattern in my life. God has said, I will give you the best if you'll reserve yourself for it. I won't let you suffer what it's like to have broken relationships all over the place, lose on these things. And so if I could say something, what I would do is encourage those who have, I want to honor you. I want to give you the option of stepping on board and, and God re redoing. The past is no longer there. This is your future. Because I'm nobody special. <laughs> I am nobody special. I, I can prove it to you, okay? I'm nobody special, but it's amazing that God takes the unworthy, the undeserving, and he does things that we couldn't have made happen. And so as I, I looked down the traces of my life, and I was like, Lord, this is amazing to me. And again, at work, working for Brian, so we moved, we, we married, then I moved, we moved over here, I started work here. And I, so here's Bible school, fast forwarding to a job over here at the landscaping place. And I worked with one of the guys there, and I've said this before, we were better off. You work on that side of the house, and I'll work on this side of the house. And I mean it. Like, we just did not want, and by noon, I felt like it was a little bit more comfortable, but we just weren't compatible with one another. And it was obvious. And little by little, over the years, not days, years, that whole crew, the young crew, had dispersed, and him and I were just about the only two left that were doing irrigation, but we were doing it good. We were doing it so good that I guess Brian decided he didn't need another guy on it. Like He would put a guy, but he didn't have to. And I remember him saying one time, he said, you're like the brains and he's the bronze. And I got offended at that. <laughs> I'm like, that's not fair. I work hard too. <laughs> and he was, he was fantastic. He would be doing the plumbing, and there was nobody that could touch him on the plumbing. He was great at the quality he put in. He was great at the speed he put in. And we finally figured out a routine. I would start trenching um, a section from one head to the next. And then I would clean it out, and he would start plumbing it. While he was plumbing it and putting back, I would go to the next one. And we would just hit, we, we would put in zones, like no man's business. And we could do it, and amazing. And then there was something that happened, and he moved away. And so that, that was over. I told you, I don't give up on somebody. They just have to go away. And so he came back, and when he came back, it was like we started from right where we had ended. And we ended up working over at Woody Wolf's, and we found a routine Man, you find efficient ways to do things with people that you're one with for some reason. He's not saved. He's not a Christian individual. But I found that God can do some amazing things with non-Christian people. Do you understand? And so 
we would, what we did was we were putting pipe together and we had this ratcheting system where we had to ratchet it. Well, we begin to figure out a way to put those pipes together and bam, bam, bam. The guy that was digging, he was miles ahead of us. We caught up to him in no time and they weren't expecting that. But we figured out in, in a way to do it and we were just laughing all the way. I want to share something with you in this story. If I can complete this thought, I want to share this thought of, I remember he said to me, we were, we were on a job, and it was just kind of a laughing, joking moment, but I knew there was some unique seriousness to it. And you're going to laugh when you hear this. And he said to me, he said, uh, but I want you to remember as you're listening to me is that we were two opposite sides of the fence, better off to work in two different companies. That's how we started, and this is where we ended up. And he said to me, he said, you know, if we were in a situation, just joking, if we, hypothetical, if we were in a, free, in a situation we were freezing to death and the only way to stay warm is that I'd have to cuddle with you. He said, I'd cuddle with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, I remember just because it was just the right moment for me, I said, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> He's the same one that, as I've told you, we had the flip of the coin and then I got to choose. I won and I got to choose, so I went under the house. Why did I go into the house? Because he meant the world to me. Because my heart had changed so dramatically for him. And if he walked in those doors today, I would stop what I'm doing this moment and we would have one of the most laughing, memorable moments braces because it never ends. It never ends. So as I think about this unbreakable bond at work and what the Lord did and what the Lord has done, I watched tragedy hit his life, but it felt I felt it. See, you don't feel tragedy over somebody's life. The, the, any, you feel the weight of it more and the stronger the connection. We know that. And then I've been a part of this incredible church for at least 15 years. 15 years. Man, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose it. I think over my marriage oftentimes, and I'm like, I'll never, there's never a way that you can go back and share this with anybody else. She's my one and only. Nobody ever gets to be that in my life. This is my, my church. And as I was reading this book about the grasshopper myth, and my mind went over in, in the thought of just what I'm sharing with you, but it happened in a few seconds for me. I have to give it to you in a few hours. But it just, bam, bam. And then I thought about her dad's funeral, and I thought about Sandy and how this church came together for Sandy. And I thought about Lori and the youth group over there for helping with a mass amount of wood at the time. And I thought about Don and Linda and how the youth group came together for them too, and those that were there at the moments. And I can't help but say, Jesus, you have anointed this church. Amen. You've anointed this church. And they don't even, I don't even know if you guys know how wonderful that is. And I could just go through a laundry list of ways that we have molded and helped and shaped and cared for people. People that are here, people that will be here next week or the week after. I don't know. But he, he writes something at the beginning of this book, and I want to share that thought with you, just as a, this is a, this is a vision-provoking thing for you guys and for me. 
He says, if, uh, and he says, hi, I am Carl, and I'm a small church pastor. If the title of this chapter sounds like an Alcoholics Anonymous introduction, you've got the right idea. I'm a small church pastor, and I'm not a failure. It's taken me almost 30 years in pastoral ministry to write those two sentences. Now that I've been able to write them, I know I'm finally entering the life of recovery from the grasshopper myth. See, we got to stop thinking we're a small church and remember we're a great church. See, what's dynamic about a church is the life of the people that are there. And if we know and understand that I'm not going to I'm going to do my very best in life is to never marginalize one of you and at the same time accept the next person that walks in through the door. I want, if I can, in the next few years of ministry, I want nobody to feel like they're alone. Nobody to say, I don't have a relationship with at least one person and more here, and that I'm deeply connected to the ones in my church. I don't care what the age gaps are. I don't care what the generational differences are. I don't care what the life changes, married and unmarried, all those kinds of things. All I want to know is, it's not just that you're connected deeply with me, but that we are connected with one another. That's why I called it the last day church. That's why I called it the last day church. Because if there's any church that's going to make it in the dark days to come, it will be the last day church. You know, you got people storing up food as if they're going to be able to, by themselves, take care of themselves. And I would rather like to think that you're going to have something I'm not. I'm going to have something you're not. We're going to have a lot of stuff that each other need. And put together, we're going to do a whole lot better than we will for somebody who's got a storage house down under the ground. Because we believe that's what it's all about. Yeah. Oh, so... There is a scripture verse. Oh, I'll visit that in another few more weeks, I suppose. There's a scripture verse where they saw themselves when they looked at the giants of the land and that they saw themselves as grasshoppers. As grasshoppers. We're just so little. What can we do? But this is what I've come to the belief of. And, and we go all through our conferences and you'll, you'll hear big church pastors say universally what people want. What they really want is something that's relevant and actually uh, connected in life. So we stopped having three church, three service, two services on Sunday. But what we did do is we made an open door to come into our home because what we realized was this, is that there's some of you sit on this side of the church and some of you on this, some of in the back. And that's the one time for sure, oftentimes, that you get to connect with one another and we get to hear your stories. We get to hear your testimonies. We get to see the depth of things that have happened in your life. We get to feel sometimes the sorrows and the brokenness shared across the table with one another. We've prayed for one another at those tables. Let me tell you something. You can't have a home gathering at pastor's home in a huge church. It just doesn't happen. We'd have to have intervals and we'd only be able to put you in 15 minutes at a time. So in order to keep this great, we have to be careful but how big we really want it. Why do I say that? It's because somebody else can start another church and keep it great too. <laughs> right? We don't have to have massive buildings in order to keep the facade up. And then when you get to look at me a little bit more, you're like, he is a down-to-earth kind of guy, and he is the get-in-your-business kind of guy, and he's the one that doesn't just go shallow 
I'm not a shallow thinker. I don't just want to, that's why I'm, I'm getting better at, and I love this, so I'll finish my testimony here in a second. But um, Micah and Michelle, we're still great friends with them. Just another one of those additions. But I remember she, I don't know if she coined the phrase or if she just uh, heard it from somewhere else, but she's, she's kind of similar, mixed, introvert like me, but she, she calls it mixtrovert. Because as you get a little bit more in the life of people, you get a little bit better at like introducing yourself and getting to know them, all the awkward things. But I'm becoming more of a mixtrovert, but I'm still an introverted heart. Why am I going to say that? There's going to be a side to me that will never change. And that is the side that says, I want to be closer. And it never comes to an end for me. Now, I don't know how you guys are, but I feel like when I think about uniqueness, because I know you, you're the same way, aren't you? You're the same way. And that's what brought us together. There's a unique same spirit in our church with one another, that God's going to continue to do this through. And so we're going to begin to look at some of the times when we feel like, why why isn't this greater than that? I'll tell you what the greatness is. We get to invite somebody in to the health and the happiness and the holiness of our lives. Let's make sure we're there before they get here. Let's make sure we're there. And I'm grateful for everyone. Thank you for ministering to me, me to you. i got to share that. And I have one other last verse. I put my notes away just a little bit too fast, and it's this one. Here at the end. Actually, Ephesians chapter 4. So if you can put that on the overhead. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6 and 11 through 16. This is where I feel like God's heading us. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And then verses 11 through 16. Till we all come into the unity of the faith. Listen to the depth. They have not, not just surface faith, but a whole lot deeper, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Notice the depth. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of the self in love. And why did I feel compelled to share this with you? Why is this important? And I'll close with this thought. But Because I feel like you need the room to spend time with God to see if this fits. Because I don't believe the vision for the church is pastor's vision. It's God's vision, and he gets to share that with you. 
But the more we get in in this, we're going to open our homes, I think. We're going to be more likely to stick by the side and stay by the side of somebody through thick and thin. And we're going to each have our individual testimonies of that, and that's going to become a unique feature of our lives. And what you'll find is there's a lot of people we don't get to serve. But man, do the ones that get the service get our very best. Get our very best. And I don't know, but that we have one of those two options. We can, we can serve many shallowly, or we can serve a few powerfully. And God, he can do whatever he wants in the middle of that. So this is my philosophy for now. And that is, is that numbers are by accident. Godliness is on purpose. That's what we're going to do. If they happen to show up, great. If we minister to them, and I'm not saying we don't evangelize. I'm just saying that the focus is not get them in and get them, get them all prepped up. We're going to do some deep work in lives and souls. Or why are we doing it? So now, if that's a challenge to you and you're saying, I'm not sure I'm on board with that, at least you understand where it's coming from. Right? I had to share this so you know where is it coming from. Why is pastor so deep and urgent about that? Well, this is why. Because you look from the beginning to the end, God's going to have to do a lot of work to change me in order to get me different than what I am. Or maybe he just made me unique for that calling. Especially fit as a glove for this church. And you for me. And, and us for him. Well, as I share that, I, what I would like for you to do is this. I would like to like, take our last few minutes together to pray about and to ask God to unify us his way. Because we're going to have times when we're going to have to challenge some things. We're going to have to do some things differently. And we're going to have to fight through the way we feel about one another at the moment. But we're going to grow together. There was a book called They That Row Together, Grow Together. And I think They That Row and Sink Together grow, to get, uh, grow Together. We do this completely. You're doing it one way and I'm doing it another. We're not going to make this very well. So God's the only one that can put it the way it needs to be. But I want to make that the challenge to our hearts. If we would, can we pray? Will you pray with me? Today, whether you feel the, the Holy Spirit calling you to the altar or you feel like where you're at, but would you pray that prayer? Lord, I want, if you're going to build a unity, would you build it around these principles and show them to me if they're the ones? I want them to be as real to you as they are to me. And so I'm willing to take some time. I'm willing to invest some time, some weeks, some months, maybe in another few years to see if that's what God's given you to. I don't think it's going to take that long. But I'm willing to invest the time so that you have the appropriate amount of time to just ponder and ask the Lord whether this is what he's doing. Because I don't want to carry on. Listen to me. I don't want to carry on as if this is where I'm going and it's not where we're going. That's why this is so important. And you're going to hear some more sermons, which are going to provoke your heart, I think, as we continue on, because the Lord has done a lot for me. And I'm all, um, all about going deeper. I hope you are too. And as if that is then you know we're praying together on this, and we know now what we, our course of action is in it, and there's some relationships that are going to be mended and changed through it. So if you would, as we share these last few minutes, I want to pray for you, pray with you, and then I want to take a few minutes so you can just minister to the Lord and just see what God's going to do. I want, I want you to hear me. This day, through your prayers, God is going to dramatically change our lives. If your heart is as on fire as mine is, and I so want this, 
and I want it deeper and bigger and better in His way, then you're praying the same exact thing and, and God is going to minister from that unity. I believe it with all my heart. And when souls come in, they're going to be changed through the love that we have one for another. So let's pray. Let's pray as if we believe God's ready to do it right now. Some things are going to change through the power of the Holy Spirit in this service. God's going to do it. Amen for that. So let's pray. And then I'm going to ask Tina and my wife to come up to lead us in a song while we minister to the Lord this morning. Father, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I am in the presence of a great church. Not a potentially great church, but a great church that's manifesting the love of Jesus. And I know, Lord, that the trumpet sound in their heart is as it is in mine. And we are ready to keep going to the next stage of glory. God, whatever that is. So, Lord, I pray reduce anything inside of us and help us that gets in the way of your will for our church and for our lives. And God, help us to be your ministers in Jesus' name. Father, right now, we're going to believe for this miracle. Lord, if you could take me and you could put in the world what you told us we were to have in the church, then God, absolutely, I'm 100% committed to believing that you are about to take our unity and our love for one another on the next level in Jesus' name. You are going to take it to the next plane in the power of Jesus' name. Nobody is going to be marginalized in the name of Jesus. Nobody is going to be put to the side in the power of Jesus' name. Father, would you hear our cry together this morning as we worship you and as we ask you, Father, to take us to the next level, Lord. Whatever that is in your eyes, we're asking you, Lord, to mold relationships. Brothers and sisters, if there's somebody that you're connected to and you realize there's a brokenness there and you need to make it right, please consider that today. Talk to the Lord about it. Let's take this time. Would you just respond to him right now? Respond to him in Jesus' name.